Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Sean's Wildlife Podcast. I'm in a pretty glorious location today in South London. It's the London Wildlife Trust Centre for Wildlife Gardening. I got that right? You absolutely did. Good. And my guest today is Chantelle Lindsay, who I know for a little while. Um, we appeared on a pretty cool little CBeebies nature show called Teeny Tiny Creatures, talking about harvest mice, didn't we, Chantelle? Yes. <laughs> Where I was peering weirdly around the corner. <laughs> that yeah. Lurking was so in funny. the meadow and woods. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, welcome to the podcast. We've talked about doing this episode for so long now, haven't we? Yes, I'm so happy to be on. Thank you Good. very much. I finally made it over to see you. you did yeah. it. What were you up to today? So today we were in a woodland called Sparwood. Yeah. Um, it's in Croydon, so in Norwood. Yeah, if you yeah. Know the area. Um, but it was absolutely gorgeous woodland. There's like garlic as far as the eye can see. Uh, you've got all the cow parsley coming out. Um, yeah. So we had a volunteer day there today and had some dead hedging going on. Nice. What else are we doing? And I'm like a dead hedge aficionado. Like, are you? Honestly. I'm a beginner dead hedger. Oh my God. <laughs> but the thing is, I'm not like saying I'm excellent at it, but I just appreciate them. Like, I'll be like, that is a handsome dead hedge. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> when I saw it like, in completion, I was like, I made that. <laughs> literally, it's so like satisfying seeing all the stuff that like, go into the dead hedge and just being able to put stuff away. So we were doing that today and then getting rid of some invasive plant species as well. Good stuff. So I should have said in your intro, actually, you've got a, a few strings in your bow. So yeah. let me get this right. You are uh, basically a conservation uh, worker and a woodland manager mm-hmm. for London Wildlife Trust. Yes. And you're project lead on the Great North Wood Project. Is yeah, that right? Project officer, yeah. Project officer. And then more recently, you ventured into wildlife TV <laughs> as a presenter. Indeed, yeah. You're a lovely, bubbly personality <laughs> and energy levels for kids TV. Oh my God. I'm like, <laughs> I envy you. I don't I'm have that. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's draining. I'm like, oh my God, how did she keep up that level of energy throughout the day? Do you know what? I was thinking, when you get here, you're going to be like, well, that's not the same person I yeah, met. Because yeah. <laughs> it's like, the CBeebies, I'm like, shiny, and come on, guys. And then like, in this job, I'm just like, twigs in my hair. I was say, you're at the end of a hard day in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Twigs in my hair, no makeup whatsoever. Forget that, my boots are falling apart. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm cool. Two, two different people. <laughs> two different, very different <laughs> jobs and energy levels. Literally. One's physical energy and one's like emotional energy, right? Yeah. Absolutely. All right. And am I right in saying you're involved with heel rewilding as well? They're a former uh, guest on the show. Oh, yes, I am. Um, So I'm on the uh, youth panel. Cool. So the the future youth panel. So we inform the trustees. Yeah. And it's just been amazing, like, finding out how to rewild from the very, very, like, beginning. So, yeah, it's a great, great charity. They're a brilliant charity. Yeah, I love them. Very good. So tell us a little bit about the Great North Wood Project. What what is it? Is it a, a single wood or is it like, where is it? Because it's not in the north of London, right? I was about to say, <laughs> that is like the number one question. I think I mentioned it about five times to this lady the other day. And then um, she just sort of like went really quiet and was like really contemplative. And then she was like, why is it called the Great Northwood? And it's in South London. And I was like, there you go. That's the question I knew was going around. Um, so it's called the Great Northwood because yeah. it's north of Croydon. So um, 
go back to the 16th century, years and years ago, it was this ancient woodland landscape, wooded commons, right. really economically valuable um, because they would use it for coal industry, tannin for leather making industry, um, and also, I mean, various timber. Timber supply and exactly. things, yeah, yeah, building and things. Um, and actually there's a rube, there's a myth that uh, some of the wood was used for Sir Francis Drake's Golden Hind. Okay. I think that's been disputed. Okay. However... It was one of his ships. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. our claim. To we know. still have the claim. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Don't take it away. <laughs> Don't, please. We need it. Um, but it's like a real jewel of South London. So it's stretched from Deptford all the way down to Croydon. Right. So it's a pretty big expense. Exactly. About 52 kilometres squared. Wow. Yeah. And then the uh, Enclosure Act happened, the Industrial Revolution, and it was privatised, sold off, partitioned. Um, so now we deal with the fragments that I are left. I was going to say, typical story habitat fragmentation, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. You can't have conservation without some habitat loss, unfortunately. So, yeah, that's what we work in. So it's a practical conservation project as well as community engagement. Brilliant, yeah. So you're kind of trying to engage communities in it and getting them in as volunteers and trying to manage kind of the, the woodlands with them, is it? With volunteer power? Yes, exactly. Cool. Stakeholders, friends of groups. So it's like, and councils. Yeah. So it's like multiple people all coming together to look after this this wood. So it's a really special project and it's like my little baby. I was going to say, how long have you been working on it? Coming up to three years. So I wasn't there from the very beginning. Um, so my colleague who, my ex-colleague who actually sort of brought the project into, into life, he left last year. So it sort of fell to me as the Great Northern Project Officer. Wow. And I started off as a trainee, yeah. um, shadowing this project. So it's like, it's been such a crazy evolution. Um, and I literally had to pinch myself being like, oh my God, now I'm like delivering like this project. solely responsible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, now I'm not because Max is our Assistant Project Officer. Yeah, just make Thank Max. God for yeah. him, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's out doing the hard work, putting all the tools away while you're dossing in here, right? <laughs> Legs crossed. Thanks, Max. Chilling. Thank you, Max. He's amazing. Honestly, I couldn't do this without him. Brill. How many, like, individual sites are are in the Great North Wood then? Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's over, we, in the phase two, so it was phase one of the project, that was 2016 to 2021. Yeah. I feel like when you start dealing with, like, the past now, I'm just like, where? Pandemic? What? What? Where are we now? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? What year is it? <laughs> I think it was 2016. Yeah. Uh, 2016 to 2021, that was phase one. And we were dealing with 13 key sites, but there were a lot more than that. And now we deal with 22 key sites. Um, so there's some that have already got their own volunteer presence. The friends of are looking after them, but we're just going in to support them. And what, what are the main aims of the project in general? Is it kind of just to protect and enhance the existing habitat or is it aimed at like certain species conservation or all of the above? All of the above, I was about yeah. to say. Um, so yeah, we're trying to enhance what's there, but also doing a bit of woodland creation as well, as well as, yeah, bringing awareness to the area. Because, I mean, before I came onto this project, I'm a South Londoner, but I had no idea it existed, the Great really? Northwood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, when I started my traineeship, I was just like, this is incredible to know that this is so close to home. All these pockets of green, right, that people just don't appreciate, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We've had quite a few people, like members of the public go past and be like, do you know what, before the pandemic, didn't know this existed, but now it's like my my thing and it was my lifeline back then. Um, so, yeah, it's really amazing that people are discovering those spaces. It was definitely a positive to come out of it, wasn't it? We had that in Ealing as well and we had so many people join Ealing Wildlife Group during the pandemic. Mm. Oh, my God, I didn't realise Ealing had so much... 
green space and wildlife. Yeah. And being locked away. It's like, you know. One um, hour exercise. Honestly, oh, that was ridiculous. Like, when you think back to it, my God. And they're all partying in the bloody... <laughs> don't. Oh, my <laughs> like, God. Like, don't. Yeah, don't. <laughs> no, we, we can have a bitch in a moment. It's fine. Okay, great. <laughs> On whatever topic you like. Um, cool. So that sounds like a really good job. What what does it entail, like, day to day? Is there any typical day or...? I mean... It, I mean, it varies. So Tuesdays and Fridays are our volunteer days, every other Saturday or two Saturdays a month. Um, so they're kind of like, you know, the, the constant. And um, so they run from 10.30 to 3.30, so a good five hours in the woods. Um, our volunteers really put in the work. So they're the kind of like typical volunteer days. But I mean, we rotate between the 22 sites, so... Okay. It's always changing, yeah. exactly. Um, and then Mondays, Wednesdays and Thursdays could be anything to like school sessions, community engagement walks. Um, we do targeted outreach as well. Or it's just like a lot of planning, yeah, yeah. which is not my favourite part. And like management plans for every site and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, and like yeah. doing the reports for like volunteer yeah. days. The boring part. The right. boring part. I'm just like, can, you, <laughs> can I go back to the wooden now? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, and how have you found, like, did you work in conservation before or is this your first conservation job? This is my first. So I I volunteered before. Yeah. But yeah, this is my first job. And it well, it took me about, how long did it take after graduating? I think it was three years. I graduated in 2016. So yeah. I got the this job in 2019. So it's my first. It took, yeah, a good three years. Yeah, yeah. And um, tell me, like, let's go back in time. What, what brought you this path, career path? How did it all begin? Let's go back. Yeah. <laughs> let's delve into your childhood. Tell me about your upbringing. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is going to end in tears. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Kidding. I presume you were into nature as a kid, were you? Well, so yeah, I was actually. So, but like, I could never pinpoint at the moment that it was like, right, I want to do this. I've always just had like this real love for wildlife. And I think it kind of started off with just being really envious of people that had pets. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think it kind of started off being quite envious of other people's pets because my mum wasn't very like big on pets. Did she not allow you to have? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, when I said that, she didn't allow. Um, I think at some point before I was born, maybe like my sister had goldfish. Yeah. Things like that. Um, didn't end well, so you could have none. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They didn't stick around. Yeah. So yeah, it kind of started off with that and I was just absolutely in love with dogs. So I've been following your campaigns oh yeah good yeah, stuff yeah goodness. i get a bit uh, a <laughs> bit vitriolic about dog welfare don't, don't I? get me started <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> what is wrong with people <laughs> honestly anyway anyway yeah we we um digress, we digress. Yeah, <laughs> we digress. Yeah. yeah so um, i think yeah just started with pets um and just being really curious and i just have always been really empathetic towards like animals as well yeah. bit of like dr doolittle i i like to bring back waifs and strays and things for you yeah exactly literally actually because um um, I was born in Doncaster, in South Yorkshire, and my dad still lives there. Yeah. So when I'd go and visit him, I like adopted this dog, which was the like neighbourhood dog, I guess. But she was like used to the breeding and stuff. Oh, right. So I took pity on her, and I literally used to like, try and like keep her in like the garage, my dad's garage. And I remember once in getting, secret, in secret, yeah. <laughs> getting in so much trouble because hoarding animals at a young age, <laughs> <laughs> literally kidnapping pets. Yeah. <laughs> You heard it here first, big folks. <laughs> yeah, this is my confession, guys. 
Um, but yeah, I got in so much trouble. My dad was just like, who's been ripping the ham in half and leaving it? Because I'd literally just like rip bits of my oh, ham and right. just go and like feed her. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I was always doing that and adopting animals. I had a blue Peter badge quite young because I saved a mouse. Really? Yeah. So that was one of my proudest moments wow. to date. Yeah. We didn't have Blue Peter in Ireland, so... Oh, no! Yeah, no. <gasps> Missed out. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I could have got so many badges for all the wildlife I saved. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just that wall for the yeah. badges. Yeah. That's a good achievement. That's a life a life goal for many, isn't it? Having Absolutely. a Blue Peter badge. Well, I've actually got two. Oh, oh no, I didn't she wanna... goes. <laughs> I didn't want to make you jealous. Oh, wow. <laughs> But um, this one, that one was when I was an adult because I was on the show. Right. Um, and like a VT. Humble brag. <laughs> yeah, little brag. <laughs> I was on the show, did you know? <laughs> but yeah, they gave me like a little green badge. It was nice. static. I was like, yeah, I'll do the filming. You were like, yeah, I've got one already, but okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll have another. <laughs> yeah, it's like, forget paying me. I just want the badge. Just give me the badge. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think, yeah, from a young age, just, just I kind of followed my nose and I did want to be a vet at one point. Did you? I did, yeah. I'm glad you didn't do that. <laughs> it's the truth. It's the truth. Well, the thing that put me off, I was like, well, I'm going to have to put down pets, aren't I? And yeah. I'm just going to be a blithering mess. So that was the end of that career for me. It's, um, not a, it's not a total, like, you know, get out. I do know one or two vets who still cry all the time, every time they put his pet to sleep, even when the owners are not. Oh my God. I'm like, that's not professional. Put it together. <laughs> Pull it together. <laughs> that would literally be me. You're meant to be the strong one. <laughs> yeah. I cry at the drop of a hat. So yeah, I was just like, I know myself, this is not, that's not going to end well. It's not good for your heart. You know, exactly. I'd be withered by the end of the day. Um, so yeah, I sort of, knocked that on the head but I just always knew that I wanted to do something with animals um, and it was only kind of when I got to secondary school I had a teacher who really nurtured it in me um, and I was doing like a bit of like animal activism yeah. I was involved with PETA oh, <laughs> at yeah. the time yeah um, when they were doing like the whole fur is murder chucking red paint on people I wasn't doing that I was going to say <laughs> Controversial organisation. Yeah, I was going to say, I wasn't chucking the paint, just so you know, but it was that that kind of time. So I was like a bit of an activist for then and I had a yeah. teacher that nurtured it in me. And then I kind of had to follow my nose when I got to sixth form and I didn't do very well in sixth form. Like my mental health was just all over the place. And yeah. it's just a bit of a shock going from GCSEs to A-levels. So then I kind of had to like recourse and I did uh, animal behaviour and wildlife conservation in university. Cool. Where'd you do that? That was University of Wolverhampton. Yeah. Um, it was amazing because I remember just sitting in the lecture theatre thinking, why the hell is everyone not learning this? Like, this is incredible. Right um, up your street, basically. Right up my street. Yeah. I was just like in wonder. Um, I mean, now working in wildlife conservation, I do look back and I'm like, it was a little bit surface level. <laughs> it was a little bit like, you know, going over to Africa and going over to like South America. And it's like, that's how I kind of started. I was like, yeah, as soon as I graduate, I'm off. And uh, travel the world and save wildlife. And yeah. It's going to be glamorous. Exactly. And I wasn't like... To be honest, I will admit, like, I wasn't, like, a massive British wildlife, I don't know, expert. Like, I wasn't really interested. I was like, yeah, lions and tigers, that's what I want. Yeah. Um, but then in university, yeah, I did start to, like, discover, like, that we've got such amazing wildlife on our doorstep. Yeah. Um, I discovered my love for birds and things like that, because I was strictly a mammals girl. Okay. And I was like, no, birds are really cool. They can see in UV. And you can see them. Right. They're not always hiding away, right? Exactly. Yeah, try and spot a badger these days. I know. Hell. I spent, just a side note, I spent about, I was on the phone to my friend and I was walking up my hill to my house and this was maybe about 10pm. I spent about half an hour just staring at a bush because I could hear like rustling, rustling and I was like, it's a badger. <laughs> and then literally I was just like, I'm just going to just stay here. It will come out and show itself. 
didn't. My friend was like, uh, you, you left now. And then I fed a fox. Okay, but, well, and then I went you home. know, consolation prize. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You'll do. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of discovered British wildlife and then were fascinated in that, yeah? Yeah, exactly. It but is I, amazing what we have if you like look and listen and mm-hmm. learn about it, yeah. Yeah, and discovering things all the time. Yeah. Like, I think fungi is probably my newest, like, fascination really just like the names alone i know like i can't keep up lemo l- lemo lemon disco fungus i think there is really one. yeah dogs vomit fungi oh i know about the dogs vomit slime molds yeah. and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah, so yeah. Like witch's butter lucy lapwing has been on the podcast as well she's got well into her fungus hasn't oh, she she's a legend <laughs> she hi lucy <laughs> her instagram posts are just the best like she's her little puns yeah. and everything i'm just like yeah yeah, yeah. She's, she's like my inner child. Tinkling mushrooms. And... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like jelly ear fungus were my favourites. Oh, yeah, yeah, Just yeah. the feel of it. and yeah, That's the, the like, little... the brown one on elder, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got it. And is it like, there's a yellow one as well, a really luminous yellow one. Similar? Yes, yeah, yeah. It's called, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, I'm not good at fungus. Is it the, is it, do it look at the ear or is it the um, chicken of the woods? That's no, it's not yellow. chicken noodles. That's a massive one, yeah. isn't it? It's smaller than the jelly ear, but it's like similar kind of wavy Ooh. like um, ribs to it. But it's like bright yellow. I'll have to ping it to you when I find it. Yeah. I mean, the thing about what like look, going into like, wildlife is you'll never know everything. No. And at first that seems like really intimidating. But the more I've kind of like settled into I guess myself I'm just like you know what it's it's exciting yeah, yeah. to know that there's more to discover as opposed to being like I don't know very much and I feel like an outsider who doesn't know her anything so and then I don't know if you went through this but I went through like this like self-competitive phase where I was like I don't know about wasps or I don't know about fungus I must look at the jay at the window do you know what they've been doing that they've been pecking at our, our van mirror and also at the the windows and they're getting really used to us because you know jays are normally quite well skittish. i saw one outside and it like let me take a photo of it fairly close yeah i think they're nesting here so we've got some tame jays but yeah i went through this like weird competitive phase where i was like oh damn I, i'm not a good naturalist i don't know about this group of species mm-hmm. and now i'm like you're never going to know about this group of species and that's fine. Yeah, There's literally. other experts out there that you can ask. Exactly. You, know, you don't need to know everything. It's appreciate impossible. it from afar. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's a cool luminous yellow fungus. <laughs> never going to remember the name of it. Exactly. Yeah. If you get bogged down, yeah, because I always say like everyone's nature connection is different. Yeah. And like sometimes I'll find myself going to people, that's a blah, 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 that's a blah, blah. I'm like, Hang on, Chantal, just let them appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> they don't yeah, need yeah. to know you the names of everything. You don't need to educate everything. everyone about everything. Exactly. Yeah. And you don't need to know the Latin. It's just, just appreciate it. Just look at it. Yeah, mm. yeah. So it was university then when you really, really got into like British wildlife and decided that maybe British conservation was a career path. Yeah, I mean, I went to Spain after university to teach English and I did try and find conservation jobs out there, but it was really difficult. So I came back home reluctantly. Tail between legs. (laughs) Literally dragged home. Um, And then, yeah, I was just kind of like looking for jobs. I mean, it took me a while. It took me three years, like I said. So I was doing jobs in between. Um, I was like a pensions call handler and doing like zero hour contracts in hospitality, which I learned so much from. Yeah. But it just wasn't, you know, what I was after. No. So, yeah, it just took a lot of, like, rejections. I remember applying for loads of graduate jobs and not hearing anything back. So it was, like, a real long slog. And I remember literally being like, I'm ready to give up. I should have done something much easier. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then literally the traineeship came along and I was like, what? Wait, London Wildlife Trust. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, didn't they have, they took on, like, 
was it youth um, officers or something? Yeah. What was the traineeship? So it was the Keep It Wild project. Oh, yeah. So it's part, um, part of the, I think it was called Kick the Dust campaign. Yeah. Um, that was rolled out across the UK. Um, and yeah, London Wildlife Trust was called Keep It Wild. Had five strands. Yeah. Aimed at 11 to 25 year olds. Um, so, but the traineeship was 16 to 25 year olds and it was paid. So I remember seeing it because I had like every job alert going. <laughs> and I was yeah, like yeah. scanning through environment jobs like every day. Um, and I remember seeing it. Salary experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> really? That doesn't yeah, pay exactly. the bills. <laughs> <laughs> Expenses paid. Like, what? <laughs> Honestly, like I, was, I remember seeing so many amazing ones and then just being like, I can't afford to do it. That's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, this was like gold dust. It was uh, paid three months and it had an emphasis on underrepresented groups within the sector. Right. So economically disadvantaged backgrounds from for disabled people. So yeah, it was just, I, I just remember seeing it and being like, whoa, I need to it's do this. <laughs> Literally. I just turned 25. So I called up the project manager um, and I was like, can I still do this? And she was like, yeah, absolutely. So I couldn't do the first cohort of the traineeship. So I volunteered on their youth panel and then I went on to the traineeship. So that was, yeah, May 2019. Okay. To August. Brilliant. Yeah, Yeah, that sounds like it was right what you were looking for. And I guess like one of the challenges, as we've kind of said, is getting into wildlife conservation. There's barriers there for people, especially from like different economic backgrounds. Mm -hmm. It does tend to favour if you've grown up with money and privilege because you can afford to go off on all these internships or like foreign conservation missions and things. A lot of people just can't afford to do that, take that time, right? Absolutely. So there's barriers for certain sectors of society. But also you've talked before about being like a young black woman and maybe not being the typical look of someone who wants to get into wildlife conservation. Mm-hmm. It is a lot of like white middle class people in wildlife conservation, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. How and- did you find that then, kind of growing up? Was there like a stigma around it or was there like a reaction from people like in your community of like, mm. well, that's unusual? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's not something that I noticed, I don't think, when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, I just was just like, I love animals and that's me. You know, like, everyone just knew me as like the animal girl. Yeah. Um, so I didn't notice it. It was only when I kind of got to university where it was like there were no professors of right. like colour. There was, about, I'd say about, I think there were three of us, like visibly that I could say were people yeah. of colour. So... Yeah, it was only then I was a bit like, oh, gosh, <laughs> you know, where is everyone? Yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, even before then, like you say, within like my community, like people would be like, oh, what, you like animals? It was just like, it was a thing like people, I don't know, I'm, I'm Jamaican by heritage. And I don't know, I think, it, obviously I don't want to generalise, but like my mum, for instance, was just like, their pets are dirty. You know, that's not how they're like, seen. Thing. Cultural, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so I was a bit like the weird one, but I was really lucky in that I was the weird one, but not kind of picked on for it. Do you know what I mean? Like my mum nurtured it. She loved like my sisters nurture it in me as well, but not a lot of people have that. And it can be really difficult having to keep going through that, I think, because it really does isolate you. And yeah, coming also from like a single parent home, you know, it's so difficult in terms of economically as well. And in university, we, we had like one like a couple of trips that were free, yeah. but there were like the 
I think it was South Africa and India trips. And I was just like, I really want to go. And I couldn't because we couldn't afford it. And so, you know what I mean? You've already, like, the students that could go to that have already kind of got that experience ahead of you. And gotten a, a competitive advantage in the job market later on, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's things like that. And, um, yeah, I just, I think you just, I had to, like, push through. And, and the now working in the sector is so, is so obvious. Like, you can't ignore it, you know? You yeah. can't, yeah, you can't kind of escape the fact that it is such a white dominated sector. Generationally as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm older than you, I do believe. <laughs> um, but I kind of, I've noticed it with any kind of conservation work I've done and with Ealing Wildlife Group as well. It's like the older they get, the more white middle class it gets. Mm. And it's, it does, I, I would imagine it's a barrier for some people to try and come into it because you're not seeing anyone like you. And... Yeah. It seems like there's not a place for you, maybe. Would I be right in saying that? No, absolutely. That was what... So I I volunteered at Dean City Farm for a little while. But I was kind of, like, reluctant to, like, volunteer at at wildlife charities. So I was just like, no one's going to look like me there. Like, and when you're younger, you know, you look at older people and you're like, oh, my God, absolutely not. (laughs) I'm not, well, yeah, yeah. I, I should speak this myself. This is not cool. <laughs> yeah, literally, like, don't. Doesn't matter what diversity is here, it's not cool. They're all yeah. old. They all have got white hair. Honestly, <laughs> don't think that now, though. So. Sorry, sorry, Andy, <laughs> older podcast listeners. <laughs> yeah. We think you're cool now. Yeah, it's super cool. <laughs> but yeah, so it was just like, and I experienced it now as a volunteer manager when you get like young people come in people of colour um, black young people it's like I would literally want to pounce on them and be like stay like <laughs> honestly just stay with us I saw um, it in you when we did the, the Teenage Tiny Creatures episode yes do you remember that cute little black guy oh, I can't remember his name but you were like bye oh and my like, god oh, he was going off into the distance across the meadow and I could see you like were proud of him and honestly. you were like please nurture this in him literally or I could see it yeah, in him like, yeah Honestly, I think it was um, an actress called Issa Rae and she's like, I'm rooting for anyone black. And that's literally... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But you must feel that kind of responsibility of like nurturing Mm -hmm. the the younger yous that you're seeing now, right? Yeah. And saying this is something that you can do and this is something Mm. for you. Yeah, and you kind of want to keep that spark alive. It's like, when does it go? You know, you just get completely bombarded. So yeah, I do feel this like responsibility to, to bring more black people, people of colour into the sector. But then I guess, like you said, it's about representation as well. So a lot of people, when I'm worrying, going, I'm not doing enough, I have like people around me going, but just you being in the space, that's enough. And then I kind of have to remind myself that when I was younger, I think where I did notice it when I was younger was on television. Yeah. Where there was just like hardly any uh, black presenters. No. I mean, I think I remember uh, Angelica from Blue Peter. Yes, yeah. Like she was like my hero. Yeah. Um... So I think Connie as well. She, Connie Hook. Yeah. I know Connie very oh, well. She's you? another Ealing oh my Wildlife Stop Group it. member. Yeah. We're, Fangirling. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Connie's great. I'll get it. I'll get a backdoor Blue Peter badge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's why you're friends with yeah. her. I'm like, Connie, sort it out. <laughs> but yeah, like, like they're literally my heroes. And I mean, I love David Attenborough. And he is absolutely amazing. But, you know, it was just like, he does not look like me whatsoever. No, I and like massive like privilege coming up through the ranks in BBC and mm-hmm. all the, his career. You know, it's like, that's yeah. the epitome of kind of white privilege in that sector, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. No offence to say yeah, that. But, it's, but like, it's just <laughs> systemically, that was the, yeah, uh, those are the people that made it through, yeah. right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's such an honour to be like, I guess, in the position that I'm in. And it's, 
yeah, I think it's really important that I acknowledge the position I'm in in order to bring more in. More. Yeah. And do you think it's getting better in terms of representation? Like, do you think organisations now are not just being like, oh, we must tick a box or we must, you know, recruit from kind of diverse backgrounds and things? Do you think there is a genuine shift in the last few years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I do think there has been. Um, I think I've been really lucky in the fact that I came in to the sector, I mean, first job in 2019. And then was it, gosh, where are we? 2020, the pandemic mm-hmm. hit? Yeah. Um, and you had the George Floyd murder. I was going to say, yeah. and the same day, um, Christian Cooper, the, the Central Park yes. um, woman calling and saying, there's an African-American that yeah. went viral, didn't it, on the same day? Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. all of that was just like, it was a huge catalyst. Mm. Um, and you could literally feel it in the air, you yeah, know, totally. like the air was like thick. It was so, it was just so intense the yeah. whole time. It was really like, you know, emotionally harrowing, but the kind of, good thing about it was that it did prompt a change prompt, in thinking yeah right? exactly or i think it prompted everyone to think about it who hadn't thought about it before right or who had kind of said well that's nothing to do with me it's like it is yeah absolutely yeah, yeah and it's almost now it's kind of like the people who aren't on board are hopefully the the minorities now and the majority look at them like you're being left behind literally yeah. like get with it or like go so i think i mean I think there's still so much to do and, you know, it could be happening a lot quicker. But I think people are trying, organisations, some organisations are trying. But I do think I have a bit of like a a sort of blinkered vision of it because I do work at London Wildlife Trust and London is so diverse. But I feel like if I went to... Might be different in Yorkshire Wildlife Trust. Right, Yeah. yeah. Um, not to knock Yorkshire Wild. No, <laughs> just, just so many disclaimers. Regionally, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, we're being just... controversial, <laughs> apologetically controversial. <laughs> So not that it's a bad thing, but it's just, you know, yeah. regionally, there's less diversity. Absolutely, yeah. exactly that. And I think we are being quite progressive at London Wild Trust. That's why I love working for the Trust. And I was on the Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Board. Right. And so you kind of like know that people are really trying here. Like it's such, there's such a push for it and such kind of, I guess, genuine. Do you know what I mean? Because sometimes it can, you, you know, people are trying to tick a box. You yeah. know, someone's just trying yeah. to you know, up their diversity for the funders or whatever. Yeah. But also the funders are recognising the need to ensure that the projects that they're supporting are supporting young people, black people. And are available to different communities, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So definitely a huge shift and I feel very... Yeah. Yeah, privileged to be And then there was the great thing was you saw this, like, popping up of organisations and clubs and things that were like, we're going to be represented, we're going to represent ourselves, right? So you mentioned a few weeks back, you went on your first mm-hmm. Black Girl Hike yes. group. How oh was that? Oh my God, oh my God. And Flock so Together, amazing. another one, you've been involved with that, haven't yes. you? Yes, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Tell us about those groups and oh like what, what it's like to go. Like, like I, I can feel a... my heart just like, oh! <laughs> I love like Black Girls Hike and Flock Together, just absolutely love them. Even from afar, even before like I went on the walks, I was just like... You are incredible. Yeah, I messaged the guys from Flock Together. I was like, this is incredible what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean... So for anyone who doesn't know what these yeah. groups are, what, yeah. what are they? Flock Together is a uh, birding group for people of colour and black people. Um, but I think that's probably underselling it so much because, I mean, that's how it started, a bird watching guest collective. Globally, right? Yeah, globally. They've got, I think they've got kind of divisions in Tokyo um, and maybe in America the somewhere. US, I think. US, yeah. 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 Um, so that's kind of how they started. Nadim and Ollie founded it. They're from Hackney. 
Um, and Ollie is, he has a creative agency. Okay. So not only do they do kind of like bird watching, they also bring in this, like, they make it cool, basically. Yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's now cool, like, to, to bird. I've been saying for years, I'm like, bird watching's going to get cool. It's <laughs> getting cooler. And then they just came in and, like, made it. Really <laughs> they came in and, like, yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> it's cool. It's now cool, guys. <laughs> yeah, so. I've been saying it since I was 12, <laughs> <laughs> when I was being bullied in school for oh, being the bird nerd. <laughs> God, no. What? Right, let's not get started. Bullies, <laughs> just stop it. Okay, birds are cool, right? Birds are cool. <laughs> Honestly, so yeah, they've just kind of made it cool. I mean, um, the first Flock Together walk that I went on, it was in Surrey. And it was uh, we were meeting up in the car park. And I remember like arriving. I didn't know what to expect. I went by myself. I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go. Um, I literally rounded the corner and there was like, I don't know, about 30 like black and, and like Asian and people of colour um, in the car park. And I was just like... Oh my god! This I'm... isn't a typical scene <laughs> at the National Trust scene, like, like <gasps> property. Oh my god! Yeah, my heart was just like so full. And every time I go on a walk with what together, it's like I come back on like a bit of a high, like just absolutely buzzing. Because um, at lunchtime you do like a sort of like a sharing circle. Cool. So you might have like spoken word. They celebrate different projects that people are doing, and it's amazing to know all the different backgrounds that people are coming from. You've yeah. got like you know creatives there. You've got people from IT. Um, so it's just bringing all those people together you don't even have to love birds yeah right? it's just people just come around for the but connecting with nature and like-minded people right exactly yeah and I mean they're expanding now they've got a whole academy going and it's just like I feel like you can't keep up with the things they're doing like yeah yeah got a book coming out and I know I saw that recently <laughs> on Instagram insane. I was like guys you guys are busy like honestly do you know is what this I mean? your full-time job or do you work <laughs> yeah. or what's the story yeah amazing honestly, they're incredible um and then Black Girls Hike was founded by Rianne and I've yeah we've been We've like been Instagram friends for so long, just like messaging, DM each other, always like hyping each other up. And then I finally made it to this walk and it was honestly like mutual fangirling. She kept going, you know, she's on um, CBeebies. And I was like, yeah, you know, like she's incredible. She's like founded this whole collective and we were just like going back and forth. And she's just the most like down to Mutual fangirls, I love it. Honestly, like it was ridiculous. And then we did like a... She did like a post on Instagram and she wrote something like, finally got to meet Chantel. Then I did one. I was like, finally got to meet Rianne. Then it was like another one on top. We were like, we have to stop. Um, But yeah, she's absolutely incredible. Just so down to earth. Yeah. Just completely real. And obviously that's for women only. Yeah. But it just, I think it just, it plugged a gap. Because, you know, you didn't have anything that was, like, specialised for black girls. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was so big anywhere that I knew of. Yeah. So I just knew I wanted to... An outdoorsy kind of... Exactly. And what do people say, like, when they go? Is it is it kind of like, I thought I was the odd one out? I didn't realise there was other people in my community as into this as me? Or, like, mm. what are the kind of experiences that you've heard from people going to these things for the first time? Yeah. And your own? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think... Because there, there has been this narrative that was pushing it. It's like, you know... Black people don't like uh, nature. They don't engage with it. Like it, the onus was like all on like black people. Like oh, they they're not interested. And I kind of I knew that was complete crap because you know speaking as a black yeah, person, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm not. And I feel like I did feel so much more of an anom- anomaly than I did than I do now because having discovered more people on on social media, like that's been the beauty of it. Literally, yeah, yeah. Um, discovering so many people who are in this sector and doing amazing things who are black. Um, so yeah, I think people are kind of like, it's just a real comforting vibe and just, yeah, kind of really affirming that there are people out there from your same background, culturally and everything. So 
feeling like belonging rather than odd one out kind of thing. Absolutely, yeah. And it's one of those things where like, I wish I didn't round the corner and be really shocked. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's like black people who come to bird. Like, I wish that wasn't the case, but yeah. it is at the moment. And, you know, you do get the backlash of people being like, oh, we shouldn't segregate. These groups shouldn't, shouldn't exist. But like, it's the way, like, you know, bringing people into flock together if they haven't been interested in birds before, now they've got that interest for birds and now they might start Googling, oh, I want to volunteer. Wildlife yes. trust just means it's, it filters out. Yeah. So that's why spaces like that are really important. Safe spaces yeah. are really, really important. I think, yeah, I think they work, to be honest. You've inspired me because I've been like a member online of mm. the Gay Birders Club, but I've never gone to anything. So maybe I should now oh go gosh. and like go with my tribe. Yes. And go birding with my tribe. It sounds very... Um, Affirming, yeah, yeah it's, okay. it's just amazing. I mean, you just got there's so- my resolution. There you go, out of this podcast, episode. <laughs> yes. go gay birding. <laughs> <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be on your next show, yeah. I should get them on, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Nice one. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, we were talking a little bit before about like your volunteers earlier and how difficult it can be to recruit people from underrepresented groups mm-hmm. and, and backgrounds and things, especially in urban areas. And I totally agree, I think you just hear that lazy excuse all the time of like oh, well, it's hard because they're not interested. It's Mm. like, no, there's been a problem there for a long time where those communities and groups potentially have been in areas of like real urban uh, areas where there's not much access to nature. Yeah. And there's financial issues with access to nature and things as well, isn't there? Absolutely. Socially deprived um, areas or like lower kind of economic backgrounds and things. It's like getting access to nature is the first thing to get people enthused about nature. So they're almost starting like on the back foot in terms of getting involved. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, that goes back years. Decades, decades. generations. Exactly. From, you know, um, the Windrush generation where they were housed or, do you know what I mean, where they were welcomed and that was, or or where they felt like safe, I guess. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like in the sort of city, maybe areas as opposed to like the countryside, which was just like, no, you can't come here. Absolutely not. So it's no surprise that we don't, I guess, engage as much as maybe like white people do. Because, yeah, you can't engage with something you can't see. (laughs) Or hasn't been part of your culture. Yeah, or isn't like a priority because you've got to be worried about, you know, putting money on the table or things like that. So it's really easy for people to say, you know, oh, everyone should be worried about climate change and blah, blah. You know, why aren't you doing anything? And it's like, why aren't you doing anything to break down the barriers? It's like, it's got to be like a natural thing where... I'm trying like now, everything that I do, I'm thinking about um, accessibility. Yeah. So it's like, you know, down to like subtitles and yeah. things like that. And, you know, you're not going to get it right every time, but it's it's putting it into practice. That it just, just trying to natural. think like that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's part of your everyday. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, how have you found it with London Wildlife Trust? Like they are, I think they are leading the way in nature conservation organisations, possibly in terms of like trying to be inclusive and trying to reach out to those kind of communities and mm-hmm. and show diversity and, and represent kind of that kind of, you know, diverse array of people. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you found it in terms of volunteer engagement and how, you know, how do you reach those people that you're trying to reach? Yeah, so it's definitely, it's, it's very difficult because, like I said, it's something that is systemic. It's a lot of unravelling to do. It's a lot of barrier breaking down. But that's not to say that it shouldn't be attempted you know, and tried yeah. and prior- yeah. Yeah, prioritised. So I think London Wildlife Trust does it very, very well in that we have a lot of emphasis on schools. So trying to get in there. Yeah, get in there when they're young and, and like, as we said before, trying to capture that spark so it doesn't go out. I think probably for me, one of the sort of hardest groups to reach is 
the kind of like the teenagers yeah. that age so we do a lot of like primary school work um but that age so to see quite... that it's cool early right exactly <laughs> yeah so it's like this is where flock together there's a drop like... off right when you're a teenager right right this is where flock together just like plugs that gap because it's like yeah this is cool yeah um, so they do it really well but yeah i think london wildlife trust i mean they're really there's a lot of uh, new projects coming up within the youth division at the moment um so for instance uh, next door nature has just launched okay and that's a project that is getting communities involved in their local green spaces yeah. um, and going to them and asking them what they want to do with their local green spaces. As opposed kind of to letting just, them lead rather than just say, hey, come in and help us create what we've decided exactly. you want. Exactly, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, in my sort of day-to-day as a volunteer manager, it's making sure that the posters have got a, a diverse range of people on them. It's the wording as well. So... You know, like, I think a lot of the times we were saying, like, volunteer work days, and it's like, people might see that and be like, work? Don't want to do that. <laughs> that doesn't sound fun. And all like, the big words that, if you're in this kind of sphere, you're like, yeah, I know what Dead Hedge is, I know what that is, blah, blah, blah. But when you're trying to engage people who've never been in this in it's this sphere first before, day doing a conservation day, and like, what? Yeah, like, what the heck? Yeah. So it's just literally trying to think of anything you can do to break down those barriers, whether it's providing clothing, um, whether it's trying to support them, support groups with transport um so it's literally just down to like every detail sitting down and going right i want to plan this event but i want it to reach as many people as i can from diverse backgrounds what can i do what could stop that person from getting to this event what could stop them to finish yeah marketing to like execution yeah Yeah. and like i said it seems really like you know onerous maybe at the beginning when you're kind of like scratching your head like oh gosh what what do i do but it becomes quite like natural habit forming then isn't it yeah yeah Yeah. but yeah i think we've still got a long, long way to go because I do find it's about retention. Yeah. Like we get young people in, we get like yeah. um, diverse uh, communities in, but then it's like retaining that engagement. Um, we've still got a long, long way to go with that, yeah. I think. Yeah, we find, yeah, it's quite challenging in Ealing because we kind of started out as a Facebook group and it was invariably like white people of a certain generation, mm-hmm. even older than me, should <laughs> <laughs> Even older than me. Even older than me. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Stop, you're meant, we're meant to agree. You're going to say something nice there about me. That just reminded me, sorry, was it? Oh, did you, I know what you're going to say. Go on. Was it your Instagram post? And you were just like... I was like, my hair isn't that white. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. In Teeny Tiny Creatures, was it? Was it was Teeny yeah. Tiny Creatures, And you were like, what the hell? I was like, okay, I've always thought that the BBC, like, saturates colour really weirdly. Like, you look at Gardener's World and, like, a grass lawn is, like, neon green. And, you know, these flowers are, like insanely yeah. colourful and in the woods we were filming Harvest Mice yeah. and I did post about it on Instagram I was like look at this <laughs> just in a screen grab of the episode and it was like neon green woodland behind me and my hair was white <laughs> and I was like, they were like I know my greys were like glinting in the sunshine <laughs> like, but Do I don't we? have white hair like <laughs> And I think I just did a side by side, didn't I? I was like, yeah. here's a picture of me in the same location on my phone. And here's yeah. the BBC thing of me looking like a granddad. <laughs> just to prove. Just, yeah. It's like there's Silver Fox now and there's then like, you know, almost in the grave. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny we both thought of that at the same time. The I was like, I know what you're going to say. It was that day working with children. We yeah, just I was like, I, I got a shock. <laughs> and my hair turned grey in an instant with all these little kids running around. Trying to release Harvest Mice. That was so, yeah, oh God. Oh we <laughs> we'll were literally just like, yeah, sorry, we'll, we'll, we'll digress. Talk, we'll come back to see these yeah. and talk about that. But yes, <laughs> generation thing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, we did attract a lot of grey hair. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and we're trying now. We're re- well, we've been trying for a while, but we are like making a concerted effort to be like going to different areas of the borough that are not that typical demographic mm. um, and doing like park days and nabbing people and saying, does your kid want to come bug hunting? And yeah, that's parents it. parents are like, what? And the kids are like, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, just trying to get in with the kids. Literally, yeah, <laughs> yeah. trying to like, entice them. But that's it. It's like you have to go to the people. You have you to can't actively try yeah, yeah, to engage to with to them. You. Yeah. And what's that saying? Like, if you build it, they will come kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. It's like, I love that saying. Um, because, yeah, if you build the right environment, if you, if you know, you, you think about it and you, you ask people what they want, because like we assume that people want to go, you know, bug hunting. Yeah. They might not want yeah. to. I've got a friend who like will just he's like, you know, like a macho guy or whatever, a spider. <laughs> and he's like screaming. And really? I'm like, I got him this like ethical like spider catcher thing. So I'm trying to like, like soften it a soften little bit. Soften it a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah, he's yeah. getting better. Um yeah, and he's telling like he'll we'll be out and you'll be like, oh, there's a silver birch. And I'm like, oh. Yes. <laughs> I'm so proud. So it's just like, yeah, trying to Think, and also I think society is so in the practice of grouping like minority groups like you know so it's like you're all the same you know maybe you... we have a solution for you all yeah exactly yeah, all <laughs> so <like> patronizing <laughs> exactly yeah yeah so it's trying to break that we are individuals you know what I mean um and for I mean not to digress trying not to digress but it's like if a black person does something wrong, it's like a reflection on the whole yeah, yeah. of the black people in the UK. They're and it's like as a black person did this. And it's like, well, a person did this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like we are all individuals. Yeah. So you can't expect bug hunting to work for everyone. No. So, yeah, it's about going into communities and finding out what they want. And and also going to the people who are the kind of like gatekeepers, you know, mm. the the pastors, the the priests and things like that. And, and just, yeah, saying, yeah, what does people. your community want? Yeah, or what can we do for you? Yeah. yeah. We have been criticised before. Um, I remember there was one incident we did, London National Park City Festival right. a couple of years ago. We got funding to do events all over Ealing and we were like, let's focus on the areas that we haven't focused on before and let's focus on places that don't have many green spaces and things. And we got criticised for one event by going in and patronising the natives on, on Twitter. And I was like, what? Oh, no. He, this guy actually used that expression. He's like, you're patronising the natives. And I was like, that Ugh. doesn't sound too good coming from a 50-year-old white man, dude. Oh, dear. You know, was that like, on Twitter, did you say? Mm, oh. It's a bit of a cesspit, isn't yeah, it, at times? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sometimes you can't do, do wrong for doing right. But mm. it's, yeah. 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 You just got to, yeah, you've got to try. And the thing is, I think, yeah, so many kind of organisations are kind of scared to... Do the wrong thing. Yeah, do the yeah. wrong thing. But like, it's just like, do do something. It's like, get consultation, you know? Yeah. Get the information as much as you can. But if you do get it wrong, then it's you've got to be willing to be like, hands up, yeah. we got it wrong, we're sorry. This is what we're going to do to be better. Because a lot of organisations that, you know, like on Twitter, something, you know, an organisation will do something, they'll get criticised in the comments and they'll just delete the comments. Yeah, it's like, and you're that's like, not a way to engage or grow exactly. or educate. Like, yeah, it doesn't yeah. take, you know, long of your Social media 101, like, isn't it? It's like, don't delete negative comments. Right. Address them. Address them, exactly. Yeah. So, Dialogue, isn't it? Yeah, it's like you've got to just be willing to to get things wrong and hold your hands up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So what advice would you give for um, people maybe working regionally in, you know, maybe smaller organisations or charities or even just community groups on, like, what are your top tips to, like, have a rethink? Mm. How do we engage people that we currently don't reach? Yeah. I mean, that's such a big question. Big question. <laughs> but, yeah, I would definitely say, like, it's also top-down because you might have people on the ground 
who are people of colour or, or maybe, maybe you don't. But it, but then you kind of, even when you come into these spaces, you look and you're like, mm, well, none of the uh, senior team are, are black or people mm. of colour. So do you really mean it? So it's kind of a think the organisation has to have a complete think of every part of their organisation. It's yeah. not just the volunteering because, yeah, you can bring people in, but then, you know, people are going to start asking questions when there's no one on the senior team that's of colour. So I definitely say it's, it's a top-down approach. But yeah, those kind of, those areas that don't have a lot of diversity, I think just, you know, you're going to have to go further afield. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you're going to have to go further afield. Um, and I guess... I think maybe asking influential people in those communities, how can we Yes, help? yeah, or yeah. What can we do, right? Yeah, when you don't have the answers, that's it, exactly. Go to the people and, and, and ask um, and see what they can do. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's so com- it's complex and it's not easy. You no. Know? no one's saying it's easy, but it's absolutely necessary, you know. Cool. So just try. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, don't do nothing and think like, oh, we don't want to tackle that because we might get it wrong. It's like, try. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, onward to your the glamorous other job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In your career. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to quick change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makeup. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Get into your colourful jumpsuit now. <laughs> CBB's presenter. Yeah. Uh, I remember when you announced that, you were like, oh my God, I can't believe it. <laughs> I imagined you were going into like ultrasonic high pitch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, when 100%. you were making that announcement. How did that come about? You became a CBB's wildlife TV presenter. That must be like the dream, no? Yeah. I mean, oh my God, even like, even now I struggle like to even like say it to people. Yeah. I'm just like, mm, and by the way. <laughs> I'm also. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, when you... I'm around like kids, I'm just like, mm. you know, and they're looking at you and you sort of like, there's recognition in their eyes. It's yeah, like, yeah. well. <laughs> and you're like, mm. <laughs> yeah. run away. Run away. Imposter syndrome. <laughs> Literally, that's exactly it. Um, but yeah, I mean, CBBs came around in kind of a bit of a whirlwind, really. So 2021, I want to say. So actually, during the pandemic, I started to kind of make some, like, videos at home for the Wildlife Trust. They have a YouTube channel called Wildlife Watch. um, And they kind of, like, sent out, like, an email saying, we've got these themes and I want to do them. So I did two on shapes in nature, decomposers. I literally just, like, shot them in my back garden and around my local area, and then they edited them together to make it look like magic. And then from that, like, from doing Keep It Wild, traineeship, there was a lot of, like, media around that. Yeah. And then obviously me getting the... Did you get media training? We did get media training, yeah. yeah cool. We did. Always um, helpful. <laughs> always helpful, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, for these situations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although, I would say, podcasts scare me more than being on television. Really? Yeah. I think it's just because... You know of, me as well, so it's right. Yeah, exactly. Like, people can focus on your face on television, you know, like, and, and forget that you might be blithering and going yeah. off on one. <laughs> but, like, you've just got to listen to my voice and all my words. But, no, yeah, so CVVs came around in a, in a real whirlwind. I yeah, was just kind of like getting into like the media side of things and mm. I kind of always wanted to when I was younger I was like it would be really cool to be like a presenter and narrator David Attenborough well you were like idolizing Connie and right uh, and Angelica it? Angelica exactly yeah. but it was kind of like this thing that I thought would come later in life like yeah, yeah. you know I just like fall into it later in life when I'm like I don't know like 50 and do like when my voice is nice and hoarse and like <laughs> when you're all grey <laughs> yeah silver fox <laughs> Exactly. But then I got a call from someone at Blue Peter. Yeah. Who wanted me to do a video, um, like a little VT about uh, how 
young people can get into nature like accessibly. They'd just seen your London Wildlife Trust video as well. Yeah, they? they'd yeah. seen like a, a Keep It Wild sort of video I'd yeah. done. So it, it's so funny. Like I say to people, like when they say like how to get into this, I'm like, you just don't know who's watching. Yeah, because just the video, do stuff. exactly. The video that they saw, I was trying to bury because I, I thought it was so cringe. Right. <laughs> it was actually shot here. Yeah. And I was like, just it was just like me talking. So anyway, they managed to see that. Um, so I so I did that on Blue Peter, which is amazing. Uh, my mum filmed that for me. Really? Yeah. Good. It was just me and her in the field. Um, and then someone who worked at Blue Peter, who was the series producer for C- the last CBB's yeah. season, uh, just literally gave me a call. I was in uh, Dulwichwood on a volunteer day at lunchtime. I was like, oh, just got a call. And it was um, the series producer. And she was just kind of like, well, we've got this show. So it's like, it's, it's a blah, blah from CBBS. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you're like, keep it cool. <laughs> literally, I was cool. like, what? <laughs> and we've got this show, Teen Tiny Cre- no, Fern and Rory's Teen Tiny Creatures. But Fern's gone to do um, some other work behind the camera, basically. And so would you like to be our presenter with Rory? And I was just like, what? <laughs> that was the easiest audition I've ever been on. <laughs> Literally, I was just like, what in the world? Um, and she was saying, yeah, she saw me on Blue Peter and she thought I was amazing. And yeah, would you like to, would you like to do it? So I literally was like, I'm just, I'm going to call you back. Yeah. yeah I'll have to cool. think about it. I'll have to think. Got Screaming a stuff inside. in the pipeline. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to talk to my agent. Yeah. <laughs> I literally put the phone down, had like an internal giggle, called my mum. Yeah. screaming and she was like do it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> without a doubt had to go back to my volunteers all like calm and collected like nothing ever happened um and then that's how the ball just got rolling because at the time that i took the cbb's role um phase one of the great Northwood project was meant to come to an end okay. well it had come to an end but we didn't know if we were going to get extra funding for phase two um and then we did so i was then juggling two jobs at once but I presume the Wildlife Trust were like, yeah, absolutely, yeah. we'll support this. So supportive, Good. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense, right? Yeah. So tell us about Teeny Tiny Creatures. It's a very obscure title. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I was just talking to my colleague about that. Um, and there was actually, I mean, yeah, so it's meant to be um, like, you know, celebrating uh, our teeniest uh, wildlife and kind of encouraging young people or... I say young people, little ones, um, to, I guess, love them. And take notice of them. Take notice, yeah, and appreciate them and find out about them, all the cool stuff that they can do. But yeah, it's quite obscure because, you know, you've got, it's like, what is Teeny Tiny? So it's like, you've got Robins um, on there. Uh, What do we have? We had Harvest Ladybirds. Ladybirds, they're pretty teeny tiny. So yeah, it varies, but we actually shot at... Chester Zoo and we just went like wild we were like filming elephants filming like, the giraffes filming the rhinos and then we were just like wait okay. <laughs> oh, I think we're this getting this damn off. title is <laughs> yeah. we're going off script stifled here. us again so yeah it's very subjective but it's very entertaining yeah, I it's have to admit show. I watched quite a few episodes <laughs> when it came out you know I was like mm, this is fun it's good <laughs> revisiting it? my childhood yeah, yeah I yeah. think that's like that's one of the things I love about it it's very watchable like as an adult you know um because when I, before I like started filming, I like binged, you know, Fern and Rory's Teeny Tiny Creatures. And I was just like, this is bloody good. And what I love most about it, I mean, it's it's got wildlife, it's got children, but also the contributors are so diverse and just incredible. And, you know, they were very conscious. Some of them are like gay Irish silver foxes, right? You know, absolutely. <laughs> and I was just like, get him on. <laughs> tick, tick, tick. <laughs> oh my God. Age, sexuality, geography. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> literally oh my 
god so <laughs> yeah a lot of boxes were ticked um but yeah no, tell just... it to the bbc <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just think, I think CBeebies do it so well in yeah. terms of diversity. And you had Dawood on there, right? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely love Amazing. them. Amazing. I'm trying to get them on another episode because we want to talk about trans issues and they're just like inspirational and so active. Yeah. Arguably hyperactive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't keep up with what Darwin's up to. I know. Like everything I'm just like, I want to know. Did you see the video with Bimini and Dan O'Neill that just came out this week? No. Was oh that my God, big they announcement? Didn't... Ocean Health, like, amazing photo shoot in Dungeness <gasps> with Bimini. Yeah, it's really good. Have a Stuff look on Instagram. Gyms. Yeah. And yeah. What, what I love about Darwood as well, I mean, I could I could fangirl about Darwood. <laughs> I mean, there's so many people that I just yeah. absolutely love. But we'll do a bonus episode, 10 minute episode of us fangirling over other yeah. people in the nature space. Absolutely. That? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, but they are just, like you said, so inspirational because they're authentically themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, when they turned up, the clothes that they're wearing, I was just like, you look awesome. I know. Like, <laughs> I know. So good. And I think that's what we need is people who don't look like the typical exactly. conservationist, biologist, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Just show up as you are. So, yeah. They were saying about like their first week in the BBC Natural History Unit and um, mm. telling someone that they were a wildlife TV researcher. And like people were like, no, you're not. No, you're not. Absolutely not. Because like such a different image. Right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when I was... Um, uh, shopping for the makeup for teeny tiny creatures as you have to do yeah uh, a lady came into the shop and she was i guess she was uh like gathering the makeup for her for the talent as they yeah. call it and she came up to me and she was like i'm guessing you're uh fetching the makeup for your your team as well and i was just like a really awkward moment and i was just i didn't know what to say you're like and then actually bitch <laughs> <laughs> here's her jay back again oh yeah just wants to say hello. Yeah, just yeah, like, you're like actually, actually I'm the talent. Honey, I'm the talent. <laughs> you yeah. have no imposter syndrome now. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I didn't do that. But I wish I had. But like, I was just so awkward. Cool, I was just like, oh god. Well, in season two, Chantal will turn into a diva. Oh my god, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Expect it. It'll go to her head. <laughs> Catch me in the makeup. So I'm going to be waiting for her yeah. in the makeup shop. But yeah, then my makeup artist came along. She's like, "No, she's she's the talent." And I was just like, "Oh my god, I'm the talent! What the hell?" Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's just cringe, about it? yeah, <laughs> just about kind of being in these spaces as someone who doesn't isn't typically, I guess. Shout out to Darwood. Hi, Darwood. Shout, shout out, out to, to Lucy already. Yeah. Past guests. Yeah. Rianne, yeah. Ollie, Nadim, hello. We love might as you. well go Jan and Hannah from Heel. Hi, Jan and Hannah. Yes, <laughs> Jan and Hannah. Love you. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, look, we're, we've gone over the hour. Oh, my God. I think we could be here quite a long time, right. but we should probably we wrap, should wrap it, up. it up. So what's next? for Chantelle Natural, which is your social media handle. Yes. What's coming up? Any so, more teeny tiny creatures in the pipeline? Yes. You heard it here first. Oh, exclusive. exclusive Sean's Wildlife <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> don't so, say I don't spoil you, folks. People waiting with bated breath. I know you were waiting to find out, but Teeny Tiny Creatures has been recommissioned. Nice one. Congrats. Thank you so much. And I presume you're on it. Uh, yes, yeah. thank okay, God. Okay, yeah, 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 that's an important fact. <laughs> yeah, exactly, can you imagine? So we recommissioned, but we don't want you back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, gutted. Cool. So yeah, so Rory and I will be filming, um, with Sandy, of course, and maybe yeah. Zoe. Um, we'll be filming next month. Oh my God, it's all it's And is it another, what, 10 episodes or? Uh, 15. 15 episodes. Yes, yeah. Cool. But we're doing a bit of like a, a revamp 
example there. I won't give that away because we're just kind of It's like how many learned. more teeny tiny creatures are there? I know, right? <laughs> I mean, I gave some suggestions. Okay. <laughs> I will say I'm really pl- trying to get the bee fly on there because I just love bee I, flies. I've been seeing them everywhere this week. Oh, I just love them. They're amazing, yeah. My colleague actually caught two mating. Really? He's got a great video of them and I was just like, I've never seen bee flies mate before. We had a first for Ealing uh, last week. One of our members who's like a big fly enthusiast mm. found um, spotted winged bee fly or Ooh. something. It's like the rare one because <gasps> yeah, you normally get the dark edge. Yeah. But it's like the first record he thinks of this. I'm not getting the name right, but instead of the dark edge, it's got spotty wings. Ooh, spotty wings. no fly. records for Ealing. Oh my goodness. Look at that, you see? Nature. Get it all here. Yeah, get it all here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, cool, it. that's, that's in the pipeline. And yeah. there's some other sort of media things in the pipeline. Um, with the Great Northwood Project, we yeah. are well into the swing of doing our community engagement yeah. um, sessions. So, And have you got funding now for phase two? Of, we do, yeah. yeah. So that's um, Green Recovery Challenge Fund, um, which is DEFRA, um, government funded. So yeah, we're running wild and free with the money. Real. Yeah. It's always good to have a cash injection. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. It's always good to have your job. Yeah. Because it was yeah. just like, um, yeah, I'm definitely being made redundant. <laughs> <laughs> I need to step up my media game. <laughs> Literally. Anyone? Yeah, yeah. I'll um, do anything. It doesn't have to be while I. <laughs> That's really how I got to see Tony Creatures, <laughs> just like banging your doors. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's some exciting stuff coming up. Um, yeah. Cool. Where can people find out more about your stuff? So, it's funny because I'm terrible at social media. <laughs> I said to Chantal, anything to plug? She's like, mm, yeah, yeah, not really. <laughs> not really. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I'm on Twitter and yeah. Twitter is Shan underscore natural. And then on Instagram, Chantal natural. So I tend to kind of update. I'm Like I said, I'm quite rubbish on social media. If there's any social media managers out there who want to come manage me, please. <laughs> Please, I need help. Um, Can you even I'm get trying. job opportunities here? Right. You know, right. Yeah, yeah. everything in this podcast. <laughs> it's all things to it's all awesome. people. Um, but yeah, and obviously, please watch CBB's Teeny Tiny Creatures yeah, with cool. Chantal Amori. Thank you for the chat. Finally Thank to catch you. up. Um, one question I do ask a lot of people when they come on the podcast, and I think I'm going to know maybe one or two of the answers to this, mm-hmm. but three social media accounts that you think our listeners should follow. Oh my gosh, only three. Only three. Oh my gosh, social media accounts. All right, okay, here we go. That come to mind. That come to mind. Yeah, first one. Just first ones. Black Girls Hike. Yeah. I believe I could be getting this wrong. I think on Instagram they are BGH underscore UK. Could but be getting that wrong, but if Search not, for Black Girls Google Hike. It. Exactly. Yeah. Black Girls Hike. I should probably plug London Wildlife Trust. Yes, you probably should. <laughs> yeah, probably should. They didn't make you redundant. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and, oh goodness, am I going to get this wrong? Wild.London, I believe it is, on yes. Twitter and Instagram and on Facebook. So. Yeah. All under Wildlife Trust, you can just search. And number three, who am I going to go with? Oh, I'm going to go with, oh my goodness. Uh, yep, for my third one, let's go with Flock Together. So I believe they are maybe Flock.Together on Instagram, but like I said, just, just, search, just yeah. Google them. Um, because they're absolutely incredible and yeah, so... Flock Together, London Wildlife Trust and Black Girls Hike. Brilliant suggestions. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much again. It was a great laugh. <laughs> yeah. We so haven't even fun. had a drink. Actually, I listened to the um, the drinking episode of... <laughs> Ryan, hey, Ryan! Another, <laughs> another one. ...of Into the Wild podcast, the drinking episode recently. Yeah. And uh, I found it very amusing. I was on a long drive and I was like, oh, that's something good to, to listen to. <laughs> and um, yeah. Oh, you're um, very attractive to animals. <laughs> 
So if you want to hear how attractive Chantal was as a child to various species of animal, have a listen to the 100th episode of Into the Wild podcast. Yeah, that was so good friend fun. Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Ryan. <laughs> After that podcast, I woke up at 2am in, in still drunk. Right. I was like, I don't think I was... Well, you were meant to get drunk. I know. But I think I took it slightly too far. And Dan didn't, right? Well, Dan was already hungover. Okay. <laughs> so he, <laughs> he was only like, needed I'm on the to water. top up the levels a bit. But honestly, he was so Hi, funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Actually, I need to have people. Dan on the podcast. Too. Absolutely. He's cool. hilarious. All right. We'll we'll close the podcast and continue to keep gassing. And you can show me the wildlife garden a little bit more before I head off. But thanks again so much. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. No worries. If you enjoyed this episode of Sean's Wildlife Podcast, please like and subscribe and leave us a rating and all that usual business and if you would like to sponsor the costs a little bit which are self-funded you can buy me a coffee in the link in the description thanks bye bye